0: Fight, Laugh, Feast, Thanksgiving, and a scourge worse than slavery. Introduction I want to once again send up a hearty thanksgiving for the recent Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Gabe, our fearless water boy, did yeoman's work behind the scenes, as did his small army of helpers, particularly Anna, as well as his mom, Miss Penny, and others. There was a large team of local volunteers that helped with security and crowd control and manning registration. There were many enthusiastic vendors and booths and podcasts. And thanks to Garrison for coordinating that. Thanks to our boy Adrian and his camera crew along with our producer Neil making all the sound and video tech run seamlessly and capturing all the recordings. Huge thanks to the speakers who brought the fire Pastor Doug Wilson, Jared Longshore, Ben Merkel, George Gilder, for Mrs. Nancy Wilson and Mrs. Becca Merkel for jumping in with their husbands for that roundtable discussion with Chocolate Knox about the power of stories and building family culture, and for Gabe jumping in to give that final charge at the end. Another unique part of our conference is the singing, largely a cappella psalms and hymns led by Aaron Snell. Big thanks to Aaron, especially for fighting through a cold. I'm also really grateful to Jason Whitlock and Megan Basham for joining us on the live show to talk about the role of journalism in our current cultural moment and our need for Christian courage in our news reporting. Of course, we see God's kindness in all of this, from the venue, to the weather, to all the attendees, to the talks, to the singing, to the fellowship, to the sponsors, and to all the kids and their parents who popped balloons at various points throughout the festivities. God is good. God is very good. Thanks be to God. We are very pumped for next year's conference, The Politics of Six-Day Creation at The Ark Encounter in Kentucky, October 12th through the 14th, 2023. Put it on your calendar now. Start saving your pennies and nickels And plan to bring your whole family. The venue holds a little over 2,000 people, and our prayer is that it will be sold out and packed to the gills with rowdy Christians hungry to see the Lordship of Christ extended to every square inch of this world. One final thought. One of the striking things that Jason Whitlock said on our live Cross Politics show at the conference in Knoxville was that he was willing to die to protect children from drag queens. He said that this going into schools with teachers in order to talk to kids about their gender identities is awful. Their childhoods are being stolen from them. And of course, frequently that sexualizing turns violent when the confusion escalates into irreversible trans hormones and surgeries. Jason said that what they're doing to the kids is worse than slavery, and therefore he's willing to die To protect children from this abuse, he also acknowledged that that we're living in a war zone of sorts where the culture war often breaks into our families and loved ones. When we asked him about Dave Rubin's situation, for example, he acknowledged that what Rubin is doing is sinful, and yet he appreciates that Dave has been willing to hear him out and talk about it. Jason also noted that the issue of gay mirage even touches him personally they individuals who are very close to him, bringing tears to his eyes at one point during the show. While Jason noted that he also struggles with certain sins, Chocolate Knox was quick to point out that there really is a difference between the harm different kinds of sins do in the world. Every sin deserves God's judgment, but there really is a difference in damage that different sins do to ourselves, our families, and our society. And Jason was quick to agree. For example, gluttony is a sin, but it is not a crime. Drunkenness is a sin, but it is not a crime. The same point came up in our conversation with Megan Basham about her reporting work surrounding the Southern Baptist Convention sexual abuse report. She noted that one of the central stories of the report relied on an adult woman who had carried on some kind of affair with a a married pastor for a number of years, and only years after it had ended, called it an abusive relationship. While it certainly may have been a crime, you cannot convict anyone of a crime apart from two or three witnesses. Assuming that the fact of the relationship was not disputed, we can certainly affirm that a sin occurred and the crime of adultery was committed, but that is quite different than accusing a man of criminal coercion, rape, assault, etc. This is why we desperately need a return to biblical law. Biblical law provides these distinctions between sins and crimes and is the foundation for all due process. The notions of innocent until proven guilty, the necessity of two or three witnesses, and the right of cross-examination of accusers and witnesses are all biblical requirements. We have them in our Western common law because Alfred the Great and the English common law tradition understood that God's law undergirds all true justice. The general equity of those civil laws, the eternal moral principles in them, given to Israel, are still binding on all nations. If I had my sharpest wits about me in the conversation with Jason and Megan, I might have pressed all of this just a bit further, particularly as it relates to children. I couldn't agree more with Jason that what is currently being passed off as, quote, sex-ed is exploitation. That is worse than slavery. And the fact that it pierces into all of our families only underlines the point. But part of what we need is the kind of clear thinking that follows the logic in these conversations. We cannot pretend that a man pretending to be married to another man will stop there. You cannot allow for marriage to be redefined to include two men or two women and imagine that it will not also include eugenics. You cannot allow for, quote, family to be redefined to include two men who cannot biologically reproduce and then, based on any sound logic, deny them the opportunity to buy eggs, mix up some babies in a test tube, and rent wombs for nine months, all while storing up freezers full of breast milk. On what basis can we deny those things if we have already granted legitimacy to their, quote, marriage or, quote, family? Conclusion. My point is simply this. Dave Rubin is a drag queen in conservative drag. He is dressed like a nice man and talks like a conservative, on some issues at least, but he is every bit a groomer as the gaudy clown men twerking in government schools and libraries. But his version of drag is far more insidious for its deception. He's tearing the fabric of reality apart by trying to redefine marriage and family, and he is intentionally practicing eugenics by flipping through catalogs where he selected the eggs he would buy, harvested from women treated like biological machines, is paying other women large sums of money to use their wombs as though they are mere objects to be used, and finally, he is purchasing breast milk off the market as though women are mere mammals to be milked. And all of this so that Dave and his partner can live in their delusional reality and raise children in those lies and propaganda, divorced intentionally from their mothers, groomed to be just as sexually confused, if not more, than their fathers. This is worse than slavery, and we should be willing to die to protect children from this awful scourge. Before I go, I want to tell you about my page at Canon Plus. If you'd like to see more of what I've done, what I've written, what I've recorded, more of what's on having two legs, you can click the link in the description, wherever that is.